Hello, and welcome to The Pondering Episodes. Have you got thoughts and questions about faith, the Bible, church, and life in general? Well, so do we. In these episodes, we aim to have conversations where we wrestle and embrace all that this journey of faith brings. Do we have all the answers? Nope. But we're willing to ponder the big and the small things and have honest chats that may bring out new ways of thinking. This episode is part two of our ponderings over the minor prophets. If you missed the first episode, go and have a listen now. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy. You pick up the Bible, you read the minor prophets today, and you say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me through this? How does the average person get meaning from it when, you know, some of these chap- some of these books of the 12, you know, there's a whole bunch of chapters, many of them, there's two, three, four chapters, um, but I'm going to read this and I want to think, I'm looking for some guidance, I'm looking for, you know, what are you trying to say to me, God, what's the purpose or point of me reading it? How do you approach it? Like, if you just pick it up today and you read it, how's it going to be helpful yeah. or beneficial to you? Well, look, like I was saying before, when I picked it up and I read all the way through from Haggai through to, what's the last one, Zephaniah, Zachariah? Malachi. Malachi, that's it. I, I read them and then just like, just went and really struggled. Um, and I think this is also... Uh, maybe in how we have approached what we think the Bible should be and what its purpose is, is that we expect it to just be something that opens up and it's a guidebook to our whole life and that we're going to find meaning about how to live um, on every page we turn to. That's not the purpose of the Bible and that's probably for another podcast. But um, so... You kind of can't open them. And God, the thing is, the Holy Spirit's going to speak to you however he wants to, through Mm. whatever. So you very well could open up one of those and read something and go, and the Holy Spirit has revealed something to you in that, that you go, wow. Or you might read them and just walk away depressed and questioning Mm. who is God how can how do these things happen? Yeah. And I think that uh, if I'm to open them and read them in light of what I know now, it's probably very different. But I would probably never have really turned to reading the prophets pre my education, and that's probably true. And I would dare say there's probably a lot of people who are like, yeah, yeah. just skip over those ones because. Yeah. I don't know what to do with those. Or you jump to individual select verses. That oh, you seem take to say one of the yeah. That hasn't something really got hopeful, much to do with or it. <laughs> yeah. You take something hopeful and you try and use it as like a promise for your life or whatever it is, because we like to make it. We like to be sometimes self-centered in that. That this has just got to be for me. Um, so I think. If I was going to say to someone, I would still say, yes, read them. But this is not, these texts are not uh, Sunday school, um, super easy to understand. They're just not. So you can't approach them with just a, I'm just going to take it quite literally. I think they're things that should be wrestled with, that we should ask other people about, that we should um, ask God about. 
like mm. sit there and just kind of you know because yeah. i think that that's how it is there is no one right way but i think also which is maybe something we can talk about is we live post post jesus doesn't sound right but like we live in the <laughs> we live in the the new creation new life restoration phase the now the not yet but we live in light of what christ has done and so even these scriptures we can approach them but through the lens of jesus in terms of this is how the people were trying to wrestle with who god is so we can read this and go wow like this is this is what they were trying to wrestle with but now in light of Jesus, what does that also look like? And how, like, is that a way that you think you could do it? Or is that how you approach these? Like, how do you do it? Yeah, well, I mean, again, uh, whether this is the right approach or not, this is a big journey and conversation. But there are a lot of people that would say um, the way we need to make sense of the unfolding story of Scripture is that this is how these people at this time best understood god and how they thought god worked Mm -hmm. and so which is why you'll very often hear jesus say you've heard it said but now i say to you and so their understanding of oh someone you know um pokes you in the eye poke them back in the eye someone hits you on the cheek you know hit them on the cheek so there's this that's how they currently understood god at that point in time in history and now we're seeing Jesus sort of pull back the curtain and give us a full view. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's how people have generally acted. It's sort of a, you know, you do something to me, I'll do something back to you. Even in that, there are these moments through the Old Testament of like these grace components that you, st- you increasingly see start creeping in. You know, what sounds so weird to us about um, how to care for, um, you know, um, a woman who has been divorced or, you know, is separated, sounds harsh to us, but then you see an element compared to how their culture operated of God's grace in this. Yeah. But then you almost see this like journey of, you know, um, more and more revelation of the nature of who God is through Jesus, through his teaching, Mm. through what his life is all about. And so you just said before, we need to read scripture in the light of our understanding of Jesus. I think that's important for us to understand when we go back to these prophets and we say, um, wow, look at how God you know, treats them and like, um, this seems so intense. Let's remember now that in Jesus, the, the, the nature, the, the understanding then was God is going to restore, but then even in the book of Joel, God is going to fully restore. Mm. So there's the beginning of a restoration and then there's a greater restoration. Mm. And then in Jesus we see, the um the fullness of god's love and forgiveness being Mm. revealed against his enemies yes when he could wipe them out yes and so i i think this is part of the it's this is not neat and tidy and easy to get your head around but it's this sense in which we start to realize okay gosh here's a journey of these people that we can learn from yeah and what the prophets have to say to them is so challenging and compelling hey stop injustice stop loving you know stop um being unloving to your neighbor um be faithful return back to who you are 
Jesus says the same thing mm. in his culture. Mm. He says to the disciples, you know, hey, you've been, all the Pharisees, the religious leaders, you've been so careful to follow all the detail of the law, but you forgot the main things. Yeah. Mercy and justice. Yeah. Well, that, as you pointed yeah, out in Amos, Amos yeah. right, is a core thing. And that God's, what's God looking for? A, a, you know, a mighty flood of justice. Yeah. And so we can't overlook that because that's deeply relevant for us. Yes. And I think that, um, and we talked about this the other day, which I think is um, an important thing to bring up too when we're looking at the Gospels and we're looking at the New Testament, we have instances where we even have Peter who is, it's like we're reading the prophets again, where uh, he, like it's the unclean and clean. Yeah. And he's struggling with right. with that because there was still in, in Jesus's time this idea of of God's people and who who is God's people, who is his children. Um, and and there was still this wrestling and even Peter <laughs> just still doesn't quite get it. And so, and I think we were talking about this. Do you want to share on that on that conversation we were having, like what you had picked up on that? Yeah, well, I mean, so the, the reference is, and there's a crazy connection between Peter's journey, Acts chapter 10, uh, where he has his revelation or this vision um, where he, he starts seeing, you know, um, you know, all the different food and animals and God's basically saying to him in the vision, you know, what you've understood as being unclean, um, I'm letting you realize, I'm giving you insight that mm. um, this is what you've called it, but now I'm telling you this is clean. And it's a symbol to him that he can go to the Gentiles and that the gospel is for them. Whereas he's kind of drawn a line in the sand up until this point, stuck in this kind of narrow view of what chosen people mm. means mm. or the disciples of Jesus means mm. that like, this is for us, this is for us Jewish people. And now he's getting the revelation that, oh, hang on a second, this is the God who's for all people and this gospel is for everyone. And so I'm going to go to them and I'm going to love them as my neighbor, not just my Jewish neighbor. And I'm going to bring the gospel to them and I'm not going to be like Jonah going, hang on, I don't reckon they deserve it. It's like, wow, God's mercy is for them. He, he wants to see everyone rest, restored and redeemed. Yeah. So there's this unfolding revelation he's getting about how expansive God's love is. Yes. And I think that's the cool thing. And when you go through the journey of the Old Testament, you realize they're getting glimpses of it continually, mm. but it just keeps expanding. Yes. Yes. And I think on that, on the, uh, the expansiveness of God's kingdom and, and who gets to be in that, when we look at it and we bring it back to the prophets and what we keep saying is that this, the minor prophets and the major prophets too, we're looking at a people at a point in time trying to wrestle with who they are, yeah. who God is. Um, and we see that journey then through Jesus. And, and what I find really interesting is that even in the prophets themselves, they contradict each other as to who is God pouring his spirit out on. We, we, we're talking yep. about this in Joel. Yep. Um, there's a contradiction between the prophets about who even is, you know, um, who is God going to actually restore? Who is he actually going to pour his spirit on? Um, and what I find fascinating um, is that post-exile, 
And this is again post-exile and then leading into Second Temple and then into Jesus's time. There was when when um, the those who wanted to come back into Jerusalem and and resettle again post-exile, those people. Um, you have someone like Ezra, who was all about um, ethnic cleansing. He says you need to, like husbands, you need to divorce get rid of actually your foreign wives and children and i mean if you just let that sink in for like a minute Mm. be like you know us just saying sorry if you want to come back to god you need to divorce yeah your divorce your wife get rid of your children yep it all has to go if you want to be in and and so ezra and the this this school of um, particular teaching in Ezra and Nehemiah, they're all about it has to be purely our, like our, now we would say Jew- Jewish people, but that ancestry, that history, only those people, no foreigners, no one else is allowed. It pu- We have to be pure again. Yeah. And f- you can understand why they are in that headspace because of what they've gone through and that they want to be seen as set apart again so they don't want anything to do with foreigners um but what's fascinating is whilst those those texts are written there was also another group of scribes and another group um who had come out who had left exile come back who rejected that idea and so you have passages like isaiah 61 Sorry to interrupt, Josiah here in the editing process, just adding a quick correction. The scripture reference Hannah is referring to is actually Isaiah 56. Both her and Mike are going to reference the wrong one again in a few minutes as well, so apologies for that. Where it's a direct contradiction to Ezra where in Isaiah 61 it says, like, welcome the foreigners, They are welcome. the eunuchs are welcome to the house of prayer. All these things that were purely reserved for only the Israelites or only those who were considered part of this nation, now Isaiah is saying, no, everybody, yeah. like anybody can come. Right. But within their own history within that that context they are fighting against each other there are groups that say no it can only be you know those who are pure in ethnicity and then you have other prophets who are saying no it's for everybody now and so i find that so fascinating we but then we see that echoed with peter and it's like just this history of of that and so even when we're reading these prophetic books to to know, hey, like you might read one passage and be like, holy moly, this is like so intense. It it doesn't mean that it is purely the only view yeah. of God. It is a particular instance in how the people are, are trying to understand what's happening. That's right. But it's just this really, this narrow glimpse and that there were going to be other writings that contradict that yeah. because there's tension and they're wrestling themselves. So... And seeing that, I think what's fascinating to me is then you read a passage like Joel chapter 2, verse 28 onwards, where in the verses that have just preceded it, you have God talking specifically about Judea, how he's going to restore the land, um, they're going to flourish again, and they're going to be established as a people. And it's like good times are coming after what's been a terrible time of suffering for them. And it's like, yay, yay, yay. But then 
it actually becomes really radical and it's easy for us to miss this that the verse goes on to say and in those days i will pour out my spirit on all people Mm. you know like all all just meaning just us jewish people Mm. you know no Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm going to pour it out on all people it's going to be you know um sons daughters you know men women like everyone gets Mm. to participate in this yep which we then find out peter has a revelation of oh Oh, this wow. is what it really means. This isn't just for us <laughs> like on the day of Pentecost. Yeah. This is going to go to everyone. And so on that, how does that, even that revelation, I think is still so important for us now. Why do you think it's so important for us now to go, oh, yeah, that's right. It's for everyone. I mean, that's a huge question. I think it's us self-reflecting and saying, in what ways have we followed the pattern of the people in the Hebrew Scriptures, Jesus' own disciples, and those people that throughout the New Testament realized, struggled with realizing maybe who's in on this thing is a lot broader than what we think. Mm. May, you know, They were bound in an idea around what was clean and unclean. They were bound in an idea of who was in and who was out and what their role in that was. Mm-hmm. And that maybe there's something far bigger going on. And maybe we need to be self-reflecting on, oh, who have we created our own boundaries around who's in and who's out? Mm. Uh, who does God accept? And as you made reference to that incredible passage in Isaiah 68, is it? Or the, the one about the eunuch? Yeah, 61 um, maybe. 61. Someone um, might write in to say that it's incorrect. But yeah. I think it's It's, it's around about there. But it is a powerful picture because you're talking about someone who is traditionally left out yeah. of being able to be included. Yeah, they were not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. This is a deeply radical statement of invitation that God's saying, these people that you've understood as being excluded from my blessings, mm. I actually have a special name for them, the text says. Yeah, yes. Which is like, what? Hang on a second. Yeah. They're like uniquely special. Yeah. And it just confronts me and challenges me and thinks, well, hang on, who have I? What people groups? What subcultures? What people do I think, well, they don't express their Christianity or yes. their faith or their view of God the way I do. Yeah. Do I need to make sure I'm not going to be guilty of creating lines where God hasn't created yes, lines? that's right. I think this is what I'm deeply challenged about and who's in and who's out and how does God pour his spirit out on all people? Yeah. And, and am I the one deciding who that is? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's just humbling. It is because... In the end, even Peter, who was one of the 12, he still didn't have it right. And it was that same question. It's like, do you really think you're the one to determine who's in and who's out? Yeah. God has said no. And nobody's in or out. It's not an in or out thing anymore. It's So I think it's, um, I think those things are super challenging still for us and are a good. And I have a personal example where I met someone when I asked them the questions I was trained to ask as a kid to help me shape up, are they a Christian as I understand it mm. or not? I had one of those first moments where I go, oh, this is a bit confusing. This person's just told me about their experience of faith and it doesn't fit the box of the understanding of what I have, but the fruit of what they're talking to me about mm-hmm. looks a whole lot like, a whole lot like Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I'm like kind of going, yeah, but hang on a sec. 
do they say it the way I need them to say mm-hmm. it for me to feel like we're the same and we're in on this thing together? Yeah. And I remember walking away literally feeling like, oh, I don't know how this all works. But gosh, I can, I, I sense, God, you're over this person. Yeah. I just learned from this person. Yeah. You're working through this person. They're yeah. bearing more fruit in some areas than I am. Yeah. What's happening here? Yes. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, tricky. Uh, it's tricky. And uh, through my studies, um, a lot of, uh, I guess, my classmates, I mean, we're all online, but a lot of them come from um, Southeastern South Asian countries. Um, and I have been so challenged often because there, and again, because we will all have our own concepts of whether we realize it or not, we come with our own lens when we look at when we look at faith, when we look at the scriptures, when we look when even when we consider Jesus, we come with all of our own. I am a white female, um, middle class, brought up in a Christian family. All of that comes with me when I approach anything like this, and so. And likewise, the person across from you does the same thing. But I've been so challenged even in uh, my interactions and learning from my classmates who come from very different cultures. And I sit there and go, man, am, am I in? Like am, am, mm. like if we think, yeah. because, oh, oh my goodness, they are embodying our faith very different to how I do, but it challenges me because I'm like, wow, yeah. Do th- and do they see me as like <laughs> as being someone who maybe isn't yeah. really living out the faith how they perceive it to be? And so I think being aware of that and not having expectations for this or that because, you know, they turn into judgment. But, um, yeah, I think it's – it's great to to challenge ourselves on on what it, what are we bringing when we even when we come in contact with someone how are we choosing to see them and and yeah. what we think faith should look like yeah yeah absolutely and that's where the the in and out um, box framework is very unhelpful rather than we're all invited on an invitation towards Christ yes and we may be at all different phases yes. of that journey, yes. but God's invited us, yes. which is what the call of Revelation is at the end. And I think there is such freedom, and we're, we're moving away, but I like this. I think there is such freedom in when we come to a realization that we are on our way to being made like Christ. It's that yeah. process of sanctification. It's not um, just an easy tick the box cool like all done it's actually this beautiful journey it's followers of the way yeah it's not followers of the end game it's yeah. like it's it's followers of the way and how that looks is just going to be so different it's why we have all of the letters written to all the different churches because it all looks so different mm. um there's not a one size fits all and i just think that the freedom that comes when we can go, yeah, like I'm going to walk with you and your walk is going to look so much more different to mine, but we're actually still being made to be in the image of God and we're going to reflect that. And however that looks, I think, is the beauty of it. And that is that vision in Joel of the spirit being poured out onto everybody, I think, is just a pretty 
great way to look at it. Mm, I agree. Yeah. Mm. So a, a really important question, I think, when we're looking at the minor prophets is to try and understand if the people in that era were looking at disasters, whether it's a locust plague or whether it's nations rising up and taking them over, and this was for them quite a clear sense of this is God's judgment on us. What do we do today when we have disasters or things that go wrong and we hear television preachers you know, declaring um, that when something goes wrong, well, this is God's judgment on this country or this people group or this subculture mm. because they don't live Jesus' way. Mm. Um, because it seems to be a little bit more complicated than that, mm-hmm. not as black and white in any way, and also doesn't seem to work out because there are plenty of like evil countries, nations, and groups who have seemingly not had any of that type of judgment mm, and, and lots of other people. Lots of nations that would say that they're very Christian and who've been utterly destroyed. Yeah. yeah. So how does that work? Yeah. Uh, that's, oh, goodness. Well, one answer is who knows. <laughs> the yep. other answer would be... Um, uh, I love that passage, and again, it's going to escape me where it is. I'm really bad with referencing. Um, I think is it in Romans, and it talks about all creation groans, mm, and it's groaning, eight. yeah, in that uh, anticipation, I guess, of restoration, because we know that we live in the the now and not yet, meaning we live knowing that we are new creations in Christ, but we still live in a physical world that is broken and we have not yet had the full restoration, which is the end of all things, Jesus is going to come back and the earth is going to be made whole and restored and and all of that. That is like the hope. That's the not yet. So in light of that, and I, I love the way that Paul talks about it, but that creation groaning is this, and I think it, it, kind of it's a good way of looking at like we still live in in a creation that is waiting to be restored and so these things happen like Mm. it's we are living in the imperfection of this world and so we still have disease and we have famine and we have drought and we have all of these things that are horrendous because we are all still waiting for the anticipation Mm. of renewal and restoration i think we get into really tricky it's almost like karma if we want to say it's like Mm. the idea of karma if we want to say well if you did this then you're going to get what you deserve like that's karma right that's like you do good things good things will happen you do bad things bad things will happen and i think there's always been that mentality look at the aids epidemic it was like well that's because you know that's god punishing you um and to that i say well the biggest aids aids epidemic was in africa where it was women who were married to men who were unfaithful Mm. and they're the ones who are bearing aids they're the ones carrying it not the men so i say sorry like those it's very dangerous and actually i just don't think um that should be how we approach that Mm. yeah yeah no i don't know but i could be wrong (laughs) well i mean again we're we're not trying to give a conclusive answer but invite people to reflect on this i think when i think about you know anything bad that may happen in my life um anything bad that happens in our world i think any situation whether it's a positive thing like a really 
incredible thing that happens in my life where I think, oh gosh, do I even deserve this? Like, what have mm. I done to receive mm. this blessing, this wealth, this, um, you know, this health or anything like that? Is it because I'm an inherently good person? You know, I've eaten lots of junk food, but didn't have a particular disease. And then some other people have been really healthy and then died of a disease. Like mm. there's a lot of stuff that just mm. doesn't add up. Yeah. And, and Jesus even addresses this in the Gospels when there's the question around why is this person blind and the common understanding, well, clearly his parents or he or his family sinned, sinned yeah. and so he's reaping the consequence of yeah. their sin. Um, but Jesus in, ultimately subverts that by saying um, it's not that clear, it's not that simple. Yeah. Um, and so at the end of the day... I think we need to be less about trying to define what isn't isn't a judgment and maybe less maybe more just walk humbly and any in any situation we find ourselves in say where am i mm. in this am i living am i listening to the voice of how god wants me to live because our whole world is broken and we're all ultimately reaping the consequences of a broken world um, ecologically speaking, and yeah, which you know, we are, we are responsible for. And there that's are right. like there are things that I think it's this idea of nat- like consequences yeah. for our actions. And I think God and a lot of even the judgments you see, and a lot of scholars will say actually the judgments in the prophets are are like moral consequences that play out in in human in the human realm, yeah. like the wars that occur you, when God proclaims judgment on the other nations the judgments and the punishment that's going to come are the consequences like you warred against each other so now you're going there's going to be this or that because it's well you do this this is that this is what's going to happen we have not taken care of our planet yeah and the planet is bearing that's exactly the fruit of what we have sowed and it hasn't been good things it has been we have you know, pillaged our planet. Mm. Therefore, here are some consequences. Yeah. But we don't really like the idea of consequences, maybe. Yeah. And, well, Jesus also then says um, to his disciples, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. And this is call he has even on his own people. Like, if you walk the way of the Zionist or the the way of violence, you can expect that this is going to continue on this cycle of violence. Mm. Except he's drawing a line in the sand saying, this is not the way of my kingdom. Yes. My kingdom is a peaceable kingdom. And so he ultimately displays that in the way that he even dies himself. Um, but So that's a radical statement in and of itself. But he seems to, even in his own teaching, address this idea of if you sow, there will be some kind of reaping. The detail of exactly how that plays out, we don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think um, equally, there's so much tension around. It's not our job to be the one to point the finger and say... Um, uh, the reason why this has happened in your life or the reason why your place got flooded is because you have done evil according mm-hmm. to my understanding, mm-hmm. but rather to be very slow to make that judgment and assessment and be very quick to offer the mercy, the grace, the kindness, the compassion that yes. we're compelled to Yes, and then check our own hearts. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. That's Good the answer. only way I know how to like wrestle with that myself. <laughs> Good answer. I mean, you asked the question, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so during this series on the Minor Prophet, Hannah, we you know, have attempted to tackle um, and wrestle with what even the prophets themselves have been wrestling with and how we understand the nature of what these books are, what, what they were saying to the people at that time and how we make sense of them 
today. Mm. Um, if, a, if a young person, if one of your kids came up and says, um, what am I meant to do with the minor profits, <laughs> mum? What, what are you going to tell them? Wait till you're older. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds right. Maybe. Well, again, there are some big things in there. Like if it was my kids, there are some big things in there. And I think I, think I was saying this before, um, not everything in the Bible is G-rated. Like, like it's actually probably not appropriate always for kids to have such an insight totally into agree. this because um, it's just not. Like I'm just I'm not going to show them a movie with heaps of violence. I'm probably not going to read to them scriptures of lots of violence because at that point in time. So for my children who are nine and six, yeah, I would probably say that these books are um, they give insight into like how badly the people were being treated and that you know the people who should have been taking care of them out their own people were not taking care of them mm. and they were doing really horrible stuff to their own people it'd be like to their own family they were not taking care of them and we know that god is a loving gracious merciful god and he cares for everybody and he was so upset that his own kids were not treating each other in a loving way mm. and so um, we see the consequences of that. And that, I mean, for children, that's probably how I would describe it. Um, but even probably even to an adult, yeah, like that's really, that's what we're witnessing. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. but that's... Yeah, well, as you say that, the, the phrase that we, we've referenced a few times during the series jumps to my mind, which is that I think it's so important to understand... <laughs> There are clear warnings. Hey, if you continue down this trajectory, there's going to be consequences. Mm. You can't just keep destroying my good world that I've created and the people that I've created. Yeah, This is God intervening, saying enough's enough. And then at the same time, we're seeing this extraordinary, it's not just that's it, God's angry and you're all gone. It's God's heart is to redeem, restore. He's warning you so you'll stop what you're doing. If you don't, you're going to reap the consequence. That's to be expected. But then what's crazy is, is God is gracious, kind, and wants to redeem, restore, yeah. and heal. Yeah. And I think this is, I love the phrase restorative justice because it's this whole idea that it's not that God turns his face away and ignores. He intervenes, but it's always with the intention of healing, redeeming, yeah. restoring. And yeah. I think... That's yeah. what I find enormous hope in. Yes, which my is own life and for our the world. heart of God yeah. is restoration yeah. and redemption, and we get those glimpses. Albeit sometimes in some of them we don't get much of a glimpse of that, which is understandable because of the purpose of why some of them are written that way. But it is to and you had, as you read them, and if you read them as one book, the book of the twelve, you do get to the end, right. and that is what we have. And that hope of that restoration and that that is God's character. And so it all they all work together and even the whole Old Testament together. It's all working together yep. to tell that story. Mm. There are lots of it. And I hope that in future we get to do more episodes where we do get to tackle, particularly the Old Testament is tricky and there are lots of things in there that are confronting and are in direct contrast to 
to other things within the text and that's okay and mm. I think out of all of this our conversations today and our musings on scripture and our insights I think it's a continual open conversation and I think for anybody listening when we approach scripture our faith the big questions it's got to be a continual conversation of openness and and wanting to pursue that um and if we can continue to have the conversations and and ask the big questions and lean in the holy spirit is so good at continuing to speak to us and isn't going to just leave us hanging it's we get to journey that together which i think is pretty cool yeah i totally agree and i think that the last thing i just want to throw in is that i just can't I suppose the thing that's hanging around in my heart and mind is that I just want to make sure that I'm not going to follow that path of ignoring God's gracious warnings in my life that I actually am sensitive enough to say, hey, God's trying to get my attention here Mm. because he cares about me. He Mm. cares about our world. He cares about my family, my neighbors at the church some part of. Mm. And I can't just behave however I want and expect nothing's going to happen because mm. God cares about everyone. Yeah. And because he cares about everyone, if I'm going to do anything that's going to harm others, yeah, he wants t- to change that in me. Yes. And so yes. that's my challenge. Yeah. That's well, good... okay. What are you saying that you said to them that I need to reflect on so that I can make sure yeah. that I'm not playing into the same old story? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> well, I reckon that wraps it up for us today. Yeah. Good first chat. It was a good chat. Yeah. Yeah. More to come. And probably on that, um, we would totally encourage anybody who listens, if you have questions, if they have questions, um, to like let us know whether it's via, I don't know, our socials or email or whatever details we'll have listed here in the podcast description, whatever comes up, um, to ask them. And we will probably not have a straightforward answer but we'll definitely try to talk about it and consider it and and yeah and walk that journey of trying to be like christ in how we approach all of these things all right till next time see everybody bye thank you for listening to today's episode we hope that it has encouraged you to not just read scripture, but to ask questions. Sit with the tension that text might bring and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Stay tuned for more pondering episodes coming in the near future, where we will hear from others in our community as we continue to seek God and His kingdom. We would love for you to follow our socials, like and leave a five-star review, and listen to our sermon series, also available on our podcast every week. This podcast is made possible by an excellent team of human beings. So a big thanks to Josiah Niven, Cherie Allen, Greg Forrest, Mike and Teresa Hardy, Amos and Hannah Bartle, and Mabel, and the countless other encouragers, friends, and colleagues who continue to support the Good Life mission of building community, fostering health, and offering hope to all people. Peace.